What's good, everybody? Welcome to Back to the Block Podcast with your host, Anthony Austin. I am super excited to start this series with you guys. It's been in the work for a while, and I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Here, we're going to be taking it back to the block where our story began. We're going to revisit feelings of uncertainty that we experienced when we lacked guidance, skills, and mentorship. Despite the challenges, minimal resources, and adversity that we faced, we had to start somewhere. The belief in ourselves was put to the test when people doubted our dreams, goals, and ambitions. We faced constant reminders that only a small, small percentage of athletes make it to the top, and now it's time to tell our stories and inspire the next generation. This podcast is for us. This is our platform. Let's take it back to the block. Join us as four-year pro and Gonzaga alum takes us back in time and shares compelling feelings and experiences as he rises to the top. The relentless competitor in him gives him an edge that most people know nothing about. From the 4am workouts in high school, to seeing LeBron's pregame warm-up as an opponent, tune in because you're not going to want to miss any of these stories along with the basketball knowledge and advice given in this episode. What's good, man? First episode, Back to the Block podcast. Got a special guest. None, none other, no other person I want to start this podcast off other than my good friend that I've grown a good, a good bond with through workouts. And he's a good, solid guy. And you're going to see more about his upbringing and how he got to this foundation and how he's built like this. It's my good friend, Jordan Matthews. What's up, Jordan? What's up, man? Appreciate you having me. Uh, um, it's really nice to see what you're doing. And I know it's, I know it's going to be highly successful. So um, thanks for having me. No doubt, man. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know, I know the uh, the summer grind for for athletes now is is intense. So I'm not going to take too much of your time, but we're definitely going to take it back to the block and 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 let the people learn more about you. Okay, bet. Sounds good. So starting learning more about you, I'm gonna run down the your resume just so people know the dog that we got here like so people kind of get a brief understanding of of why why you're this first guest on this on this platform so high school four-star recruit cif southern section d1 player of the year league player of the year played at gonzaga university university of cal as well coming up on his fifth year pro touched the nba a little bit been in Denmark, Italy, Russia, and we'll see where he's going to go next. And we'll see more on how he got to the success and where it started and things like that. So let's take it all the way back to the block, Jordan. Let's let's tell the people, when did you first pick up a basketball? First picked up a basketball, um, I mean, it's just been around as long as I can remember because my dad's a coach. Uh, I just been around the game so long. I think I first started playing when I was like three or four, but it was like casual, you know, like I didn't really care. Um, mm-hmm. My brother and I, we played a lot of different sports growing up. So it just, it just mixed into those other sports. But um, my first memory of basketball having like this little red hoop and just shooting, shooting on that hoop and then doing like defensive slides in the kitchen. <laughs> uh with my dad so like that's like my earliest memories of, of who so probably around three or four so it's safe to say that pops put the ball in your hands 
Yeah, but he never made it like a thing where he was like he necessarily wanted us to play. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things like we got to decide on our own. Like uh, I kind of decided I wanted to play at a high level when I was like eight. And Jonah kind of decided a little later when he was like 11, 12. But he never forced us. He was never like, you guys have to play basketball. Um, we just kind of grew to enjoy it and grew to grew to love it. That was my next question. You just said you grew to love it. And you said you started taking it serious kind of around eight. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you loved it then, though. When when would you say you really fell in love with the game and you were like, this is what I want to do in my life and I just love this sport? Um. I don't even know if it was like, that's what I want to do with my life. It was like one of those things where I just really enjoy the details of the game. Like even like different types of rims, you know, different arenas, like uh, the sound of like the ball bouncing and the lights coming on that buzz, like Mm. um, just little things like that. It was what I really still really enjoy about basketball is like not necessarily the games or the competition or, you know, like the the level, but just little parts about the game, um, the floor, the 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 sound of like the ball hitting the backboard and going in or swishing. Those are all parts of the game I really enjoy. So um, it just turned into another thing because, you know, and you know this being a high level player, everybody's like, oh, you got to make sacrifices if you want to get there. But mm-hmm. to me, it, it never felt like a sacrifice. It was just what I wanted to do. Gotcha. And it's funny that you um, you listed all those things about, like, I love the game because of the backboard, the ball, like just little intangibles. And it's funny, like a thing that I love now is just like the way the floor squeaks with the shoes, like yeah. playing, going to different countries overseas, like some kind of you're never squeaking for like months, like your <laughs> shoes never make that squeak. When you get the grip, you spit on the floor, do whatever. Like, that's what we're talking about. Like some shoes never squeak. So like. Those are little things like I know what you're saying because like I just have a great love for called the squeakies like just having squeaky shoes. Yeah, bro. Like some of those European floors, like you just don't. It just sounds like people like running like on the floor. <laughs> it just like all you hear is like bitter patter, like feet, like it's like people running through the house. It's like, for like real? They, I don't know if it's like what they use or what kind of material the floor is, but like all the courts here, like you you put some water on the floor or you ready to play, like, you're gonna hear squeaking. <laughs> you know, of the shoot. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's funny. So, um, okay, let's take it. We're, we're still back to the block. Let's, where are you from exactly? So I know you finished high school up in LA, Santa Monica High School, but uh, I don't think you're from Southern Cal. So tell us kind of about your, your upbringing. So I was born in Ventura, which is up by Oxnard, like a little north mm-hmm. of LA. I was born there, um, lived there for a year, and my dad got the head coaching job in San Francisco. So we lived in San Francisco for – Jonah was born in San Francisco. We lived there for my first 10 years. So that was like a big – a huge point of growth, like, in my life. All my elementary school years are there. And then we moved to Riverside when I was, like, uh, 10, 11. Lived down there for a couple years. Moved to Nebraska moved back wow. and moved to LA. So it's a little bit of everywhere. And I'm, I'm grateful that we did move a lot because I was able to, you know, um, meet a vast array of people and, you know, learn a lot from a lot of different people. So, you know, a little bit of everywhere. So would you say there was a significant 
significant difference in the style of playing basketball in these other states that you were living and growing up in for the time being? So I would say this, like, and me and my friends, like, me and my boys now we play overseas, like, discuss it, like, the basketball regional stereotypes definitely hold some truth. <laughs> for like, sure. People always, like, dudes from California always trying to look cool. It's like, no, we're not trying to look cool. We can just shoot. Like, <laughs> a lot of, like, of y'all bruises can't shoot, so you're doing super hard. Like, you know, like, if you, if you don't have a clip, then you got to run around really Facts. hard, you know? So, like, but, like, Nebraska – they weren't like huge on basketball there. It's getting bigger because Creighton is good and Nebraska right. has some good players, but like the regional stereotypes definitely hold some weight. Like all Indiana Hooper is going to be super fundamental and can shoot. You just know that, <laughs> right? Dudes from the South going to be dumb athletic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, dudes from Jersey and New York, they're not shooting the ball up a catch. Like it's all, it's all tween step back. Like, they're gonna try and punk you all gritty work the whole game the whole game you be up 30 you be up 30 they're talking crazy facts and, and you know so like the regional stereotypes they hold weight like dudes from seattle they're not doing anything if they're not getting the hezzy cross in first <laughs> so the regional stereotypes hold weight and like the style of basketball i think that also helped me play overseas because you know when you go over there you know everybody's like well what could be so hard you just go over there playing basketball it's like Yes and no. Like, they're not calling fouls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're not calling fouls for Americans. So, um, playing in different styles and, and different um, – against different opponents coming up really helped um, for now. That's dope. That's dope. You got to see different uh, cultures and experiences as a youngster. So, just like you said, overseas is even – easier living in a sense because you've haven't just lived in one state your whole life you've got to see different you know environments stuff like that so that's what's up man exactly exactly and like you said you were moving all these places because your dad was a coach and i've met him a couple times we haven't talked too much in depth but from my understanding he's a walking legend so uh just kind of talk about uh, i'm not sure if you played or not but just talk about uh, Pops' playing career, coaching career, and just kind of the influence that he had and also what it was like being a coach's kid, if he coached you guys or not. Yeah. So, like, he was the first um, Black American to play at Irvine. Wow. And, like, I just didn't know that until I was, like, a little older, but he told us. And is that UC older, Irvine? I, yeah, UC Irvine. He was the first Black player to play. Wow, that's dope. And I just, like, as a coach – um his style was hard it's, it's hard nose but it's like it's fair like he's not ever going to tell the guy something that's not true you know I think that that kind of grittiness carried over to me and Jonah um and my sisters as well uh he his coaching career started when he was like fresh out of college like he started coaching he coached at Cal State Fullerton he coached high school they coached at Ventura College, won a couple state championships. There. I mean, state championships there. Moved to San Francisco, took them to the tournament in '98. Uh, beat Gonzaga. That was the last time Gonzaga, uh, like I think, didn't make the tournament. I think was that year, and it's weird that I ended up playing for a few. So um, he's had an illustrious career with a lot of success. And his teams are still very, very good. I think it's because um, he instills a foundation of like hard work. Um, playing smart, 
And I think that's something that carried that, you know, unintentionally carried over to me and Jonah, like being coach's kid, you just play the game a certain way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then he did coach me a little bit and that was, it wasn't hard. Like people are always like, was it hard getting coached by your dad? No, he just lets you play. You just got to play hard. And I think that's what, um, that's why I kind of bump heads with coaches sometimes. I'm like, yo, like we run in 90 sets for, like we got 24 <laughs> seconds to get a shot off. What are you talking? Like, you know, so um, having him as a coach and as a parent really helped us both in ways that like we continue to still see um, today. Yeah, I seen um up at 360, the shoot 360 where we uh where we train at. I was um on the shooting guns one one morning and uh Jordan 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 and Jonah and Pops came in and they were doing some conditioning work on the main court. And I was texting either Jonah or Jordan before and I was gonna hop in, but then I came and seen Pops came. I was like, okay, let me just let me just let them get it. I just kept shooting. And these dudes were going so hard. Like, I'm like, dang, what are they doing over there? Like I think you might have threw up this day. Like they were doing slides to sprint, full course slides, super sprints. Like y'all was really getting it in. And this was just a conditioning day. Like there's no balls were touched, no no ball. No yeah, ball. like just straight no, no. conditioning. So yeah, the intensity I, I seen it. I because I was shooting and like y'all weren't yelling or anything, but like it was just like I could just hear <laughs> and kind of feel what was going on. You feel me on the other side of the skills case. I'm like, let me yes. just go peek real quick and I just yeah, y'all was getting it in. I'm like, yeah, maybe maybe it's a good thing. I didn't didn't go in there today. Like, yeah. I don't know what I was getting myself into for. Oh, uh, bro, he would have let you jump in, but he would have killed you too. He'd been like, yeah, man, like we just got to get these sprints down, like, and we still do that. Like, um, I've been out the past couple of weeks with the uh, tendonitis, but mm-hmm. like once I ramp it back up, that's the first thing I'm gonna do is get on the floor and do that conditioning workout. It's a good gauge to see where you're at because if you think about it, hoop really comes down to all right, if you're in shape and can make decisions when everybody else is tired, yeah. you at a different level. Everybody, everybody's good first quarter. Everybody's good second quarter. And everybody's good third quarter. But that fourth, when you're tired, legs hurt, maybe a little sore, that's when the brain starts telling you, oh, I'm a little tired. So if you can be in shape when everybody else is not, you know, you could have a rough game up to that point, but you just kick it into another gear late, just take over. Yeah, pin your second win at the right time. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Okay. Now uh before we continue, you you mentioned Jonah a few times here. Uh talk about or not even talk about, but just how many how many siblings do you have? I have I have three siblings. I have Jonah, who's my younger brother, and I have two older sisters. Okay, and the sisters played any sports as well? They they dabbled with basketball and other sports. They didn't really you know, they didn't really want to play like that, but, I mean, they could have. Um, I, the way I hear it, my sister was really talented. My sister, Akila, mm-hmm. had great footwork, but she just didn't really – she wasn't really that interested in it, you know? Gotcha. And uh, Jonah played at USC. He's a little go over there. He's uh, a couple years overseas now. He's he's up and rising. He's a good player. He'll be on the show as well, so that's who he keeps mentioning. That's his younger brother. They're both – they're probably the best brother couple that I've played against. Like these dudes hit the toughest shots I've ever witnessed. They're hard to guard. They're both taller, so they're bigger than me. So these dudes are just they're tough buckets. But that's that's the family. So uh I heard you had a growth spurt. Talk about 
how much you spurred it and what was the what was basketball like before and after the growth spurt? Because some people don't get to even have an understand like like life's a little different once you once you're have length and wingspan and these kind of things. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, like I was never, you know, coming up, I never felt like I was like, like even now, like I'm considered a like a medium-sized guard. Mm-hmm. But even when I was younger, I never felt like, I thought I was like a big guard, but I wasn't. <laughs> so then like once I grew a little bit, I grew a lot my, my, my freshman year and just kept inching along as I kept going through high school. And then like I grew a lot junior to senior year. I was like six feet and I went to like six, two and a half, six, three. And then when that happened, everything kind of came together for me in a, in a way that it hadn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but, but I'm glad I didn't grow till later because same thing with Jonah, Jonah didn't grow until he was like a junior in high school, but we were able to build those skills early. And that's why I'm like, I always tell kids who are young, if I ever meet them, like, even if you're tall as a young kid, do not work on post moves. Get your guard game right. Yes. Worst case scenario, you a six, six you a six, seven, six, eight guard. But the reverse is so much tougher. You know, mm-hmm. like kids playing daddy ball and they have the ball over their head. You know, we were always taught the fundamentals. Like even when we were younger, like I remember we used to do seven spot shooting with my dad at five, five o'clock in the morning. Like we make 250 shots before before school. Dang. five days a week six days a week like i remember junior senior year before i really grew it was i had a trainer and we would work out at 4 30 in the morning we'd run the hills we'd run the hills we do conditioning outside we'd go in the weight room we'd like do all my work like weight rise and then after that i go to school have practice after school shoot after practice then go home repeat and that was like a five day a week thing most of the spring and summer and that's when i felt like the the growth in my game really took over dang so you was getting it at at a young age and it's like it's no coincidence because every like great player they have a story like that where they did something that like obviously was going to separate them because like, so you're up at five and you're doing work at five so not only are you getting up but you're doing the work so you were you found the recipe early i would say yeah, and it wasn't like like it was one of those things where it's like it that's what works for me. Like, you know, like I know some guys like some guys circadian rhythm is not made to wake up at four, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they may need that extra rest so they can perform better at nine or ten, you know? So like but for me in high school, even in Nebraska, I remember in Nebraska, like my dad would go work out four thirty and I'd hear him up and I'd be like, yo, can I go with you to shoot? And he's like, he told us. I'm not taking you if you're going to dick around in there. Like, I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not going to work you out if it's going to be weak. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Like, either we're going to go hard or you just can't come. I was like, okay. So that's when it started. And I was, I was like doing plyometrics and stuff early. And then once we did that, it just became natural. And even now it's really second nature to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember my, uh, my senior year, uh, me and a teammate, I did it uh, damn near every day until after season. He he didn't come a few days, like just a few days. But every day at lunch, like as soon as the bell rings right before lunch, I just go straight to the gym and get shots of like I'm not eating. I'm not talking to friends in the quad. I just go straight to the gym and I'm shooting. And we have practice right after. So I'm beating coach to the gym. I'm beating everyone to the gym. And like the days where the homie did miss, 
He's like, man, I, I got to eat some food. So I'm like, bro, you don't need to eat. Like, just come on, bro. Like, I, I, yeah, like I just didn't understand. Yeah. But like he there's different levels of love and different levels of work and just things like that. Like I would I would rather just starve and eat later. He's like, no, I'm starving. I need to eat. Like, <laughs> right. But it didn't feel you know crazy, though. Like to you, it like at that time, it did not seem like work. You were like, oh, I'm just going to go do this. Is what I want to do, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I think a lot of successful hoopers had like you uh, my brother uh, all the guys that like are, are successful in hoop it's like you know there are those rare cases where guys don't really care but for the most part it's what you enjoy doing my boy Leland King said that like he he was shooting at lunch people were like why are you shooting at lunch he's like hey man I've seen y'all in the quad for three years what am I gonna what are we gonna talk about you know and you're still so, going to be here when I'm done and tomorrow. You're going to be here when I'm done. It don't <laughs> matter. You know? So, yeah. Santa Monica High School. Yeah, man. It was the good old days. Second team All-State. Four-star recruit. ESPN has you ranked as the 33rd best shooting guard and 77th overall. 24 points per game, nine rebounds per game. Played for Cal Supreme, which is the EYBL team. Played with the Peach Jam. We'll get into that. You were Ocean League Player of the Year, junior and senior year. And you were CIF Southern Section D1 Player of the Year. That sounds like a hell of a high school experience. So I want you to just take us back to that time. So you might have just moved here for high school. You might have been out a few years before that. So just talk about um, Santa Monica High School, that experience. and just high school ball and then we'll get into eybl and and recruiting process and those things yeah so like we moved to santa monica we moved to santa monica my 10th grade year my ninth grade i went to john w north of riverside okay so like when i transferred out here my dad had just gotten the job at ucla so we came i came with him one day to look at schools and like we were talking about westchester and fairfax and all that and we were just in santa monica and like my dad was like, oh, like, you don't want to go here, right? And I was like, oh, like, I saw the location. I was like, yeah, I could go. I, I'm going <laughs> to check it out. I was like, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to see what it's about, right? So we go in the gym, and I'm, like, standing there. And I, I remember meeting Coach Hack, and he was like, yeah, like, you know, we just ended. It was, like, June 7th, I remember. And he was like, we just finished school, you know. We don't really have spots like that, but he can try out. <laughs> And maybe play JV this summer. And I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. So, so, like, the next day I came, I tried out. And he was like, yeah, you're not playing JV. So, <laughs> so, so like, it just it just clicked at Santa Monica. And, like, um, I was able to play immediately um, and grow, like, a lot. Competition was crazy. Like, we played everybody. Because Santa Monica, they didn't, like, Coach Heck didn't run from anybody. Mm -hmm. So, Played a great schedule, and uh, yeah, it was. I'm really fortunate. I picked Santa Monica. I'm happy I picked Santa Monica. And I, I really have a lot of fond memories there. I know Jonah does too. Um, I know you said you were able to play right away, which obviously had to start with some growing pains. And Coach Heck is a great coach, great guy. Um, when would you say you kind of just like kind of figured it out and kind of was like, okay, like I'm here, or I understand how this high school game works or I'm solidified? Like, when did you kind of say you figured things out? I have, 
struggled sophomore year with physicality and guys' size bodying me up. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that great of a shooter at that point. Um, so mostly it was like driving to the basket. Um, but I think I figured it out about midway through my junior year. Where I was like, all right, I can go get 20, 25 any game I want. Like if I really want to, I'm gonna, I can just go get 25, 30. Like it's not a problem. So like then by senior year, it was really light work. Like it was like, all right, now like it doesn't matter. We play, they can't guard. They can't guard. You know, it doesn't matter. They, they don't have anybody. So that was huge. I think that I think midway through my junior year, like between the workouts and then like being around the college guys at UCLA and just playing, like I was like, all right, man, high school, high school hoop is light work. I can, I can do this. Led your team all the way to a state title game senior year, huh? Yeah, man, we lost in the state. We won the CIF, won the region. And then uh, I kind of remember that game. It was a weird game. Uh, we had guys, a couple guys get hurt. I think I got a, a hit pointer kind of early. And I had like four fouls in the first half. I never, I was like. Boy, a heck. I was, I never fouled. No, I was like, because <laughs> I, I played the four. So I was like doing ball screen coverages. So I was like, I was like switching out. And then he would call like a touchdown. I was like, yo, this is crazy. So yeah, we lost, but it was a great year anyway. And I was like, you know what? Roll with it. You know, it stings, but it was a great year. I think we went like like 29 and seven or something like that. Wow. It was a really good year. A lot of fun. Okay, so let's talk, let's talk AAU days. Um, let's talk about who you ran with. I think you ran with a couple teams and then, uh, just going to EYBL and recruiting. If you were getting recruited heavy or not before that, and just talk about that whole process. Yeah. So like first year out of high school, played with uh, pump and run. They were a YouTuber by the pump brothers and it was cool. They just got a whole bunch of the best, like what they perceived to be the best freshmen in Southern California, put them up, put us on two teams, just played a whole bunch of tournaments. Um, and that was like, you know, it was cool. Um, and I played with Dream Vision the next year. Played with Dream Vision for two years? No, Dream Vision for one year. And that was that was a little better competition because Adidas, at that point, the Adidas tournaments were kind of like hit or miss, right? Mm-hmm. So like in the Indiana Invitational, we played in Indianapolis. We played everybody, like everybody was good, like everybody, like all the teams are pretty good. But then you get to like one of these random one-off tournaments that we played in like the uh, Real Deal in the Rock in Arkansas. That, <laughs> yeah. turn, that turn was terrible. So I was like, <laughs> whatever, man, like it doesn't matter. Um, but then like my first taste of like, okay, like I wasn't getting recruited at all through this. Freshman, sophomore, junior year. Did, did not have an odd college offer. Like, mind you, my dad's working at UCLA. So he's recruiting guys on playing against. Mm-hmm. While I'm hot, <laughs> I'm trying to kill everybody. And I was like, he just, he just told me, like, stay the course. You're good enough. Just stay the course. Keep hooping. So we, so my first EYBL session when I was a junior, that was when I was like, oh, no, this is the show. Like, this is the, this is the real show. Um, yeah. Um, went there, didn't have a college offer on Monday. On, on, didn't have a college offer on Thursday when we went, 
had like five when we had when when it ended on Monday. So I had a really good weekend and it all kicked off from there. But I've always loved competition in the EYBL. Like that was the best, that was the highest level competition um, outside the NCAA tournament. I think I played it. Averaging 16 in in EYBL is tough. Like I bet there's a lot of tough buckets because the intensity I know is high and I haven't even seen or experienced it. So I can just only imagine that you was really getting to it. So it's no surprise those offers came rolling in after the weekend. Yeah, like after that first weekend, like so my my dad before we left, because he had to he was going there to recruit. So he got to watch all my games and he was like, um, you know, I don't know if you like want to play D1. He said, or if you're gonna have to go D2, he said, it doesn't matter. Like, just go out there, play, show what you can do, and let the chips fall where they may. I said, forget it. I had 30 game one. <laughs> It was over after that. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm going crazy. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to hoop. I'm just going to go insane. So that's what I did. I was like, I'm just going to go crazy. And um, it all really worked out because it could have very easily gone the other way where it was like, uh, like, you know, we're not going to offer him. He's just not good enough. Right. You know, we're going a different way. But I was fortunate that it went the way it did. Who who pulled the who pulled the trigger first? Who was that first offer from? My first college offer was Tom Crean, University of Indiana. Ooh, that's tough. He was my first offer. He called me like I remember he called me at lunch on Monday when I got back. I was tired. <laughs> we flew back. I was dead, bro. I didn't have any like. I had no like. You left it all on the floor. Like, I was done. Like, we had to fly because, you know, like, back then, like, if you know, hey, you trip, you had to come back and go to school. I was like, yeah, you got to go to school. And I was like, oh, I just hooped for four days in a different time zone. But, like, they didn't care. Like, always school first. Thanks. Like, I remember I got this Indiana call at, like, lunch. He was like, all right, it's Coach Crean offering you a scholarship. Like, oh, really? So then once that happened, they all just, bro, they all started rolling in. Like, it was like, in one day, like I had to leave class like 30 times. That's how it'd be once it's like, you know, this that's how it is in life too. Like no one wants something until they see other people. Everybody, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to like the value perception is everything, right? So like a lot of times I, I kind of feel like schools are scared to pull the trigger on guys because other schools haven't done it. Mm-hmm. You know, like a guy can really play, but they'd be like, nah, like nobody's offered him yet. But if another team offers you, then they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we like him now, you know, which is crazy. But as part of the game, I get it. Yeah. Hey, you better than me because school would have been over for me on that Monday. I get that Bro. call. I'm turned up. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done for. I was like, yo, I'm out of here. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Like, you know, but, you know, school is school. And I, I enjoyed it. Went to like, <laughs> went to a really fun school. So it was like, all right, like. I remember on one day I had zero offers. I had Indiana, Wyoming, Marquette, Miami, Kansas State, Kansas, uh, Texas A&M, and Florida State. Like that was like day one. Those are big time schools. It's not, it's not like they're low major or like you know, like these are these are high level schools. Day one, like you said, that's crazy. But the, the crazy part was like I just considered them schools. Like I was like. You know, y'all play in a high major conference, but like, 
where can I go and play? Like, where am I going to go and get off? Yeah. You know, I was about to go to LMU for real. I was about to just go to LMU. Cause I was like, they're going to let me get right. <laughs> wow. They're going to let me take 30 shots a game. I'm like, I like the sound of that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So you said you were about to go to LMU, whether you're joking or not joking. Who who were your finalists? And then let's talk about that decision on my, we, my why you real, chose. Yeah, my finalists, Cal, Indiana, Miami. Cal, Indiana, Miami, LMU, USC, Texas A&M. Yeah, it was them. And they were all, and the thing is, it was all like, Every one of them was like, I got lucky because I didn't buy into the hype because I got a Kansas offer. And I was like, Kansas, mm. I'm going to go there. And my dad was like, you ain't going to Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> like, well, like, he was like, what you going to do in Lawrence, Kansas? Like, he was like, so he was like, where, where's the best fit for you personally? Where you going to play? It's going to be high-level competition. You're going to get to show your stuff. Where is that? And I was like, well, it's USC or Cal. So USC backed away from me. They rescinded my offer like a little, little like right when I was about to commit. They were like, "Yeah, we're gonna go another direction." Like, fine, I'll go. I'll go to Cal, and it worked out at Cal too. Mm, same conference. You're like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna see y'all. Didn't like that's fine. And I'm a, and I'm a fry y'all when I see y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know. So, so you you ended up deciding Cal. Um, who, did USC end up going with another guard or did someone commit in order for them to do that? Or you were just taking too long or what happened with the USC? Uh, it was, at the end so of I, it? so I wanted an unofficial visit to SC like spring. And I liked it. Like I was like, I like SC, but like they were pretty bad at this time and they had like NCA violations, whatever. So it was all this stuff with SC, but I was like, okay, I like it here. It's cool. Like this is, this isn't bad, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, I think, I think they were higher on another guard and they were like pressing him to commit because they were like, this other kid's going to commit and we want you though. So he committed and they were like, oh no, we can't take you. And I was like, all right, like that. So I went to Cal. I got lucky at Cal too because that team was law. That the first team I was on was loaded with guards. Like I was supposed to redshirt my first year. So, wow. you know, it's kind of breaking down barriers and just like keep at it. That's like the theme, I think. You just keep at it. Don't worry about all the external noise, this and that. Stay, stay with it because it'll you'll break it down. Exactly. So you went to Cal thinking I'm gonna rest this season. I'm just gonna develop and get better. You finished the season, Pac-12 all freshman team. Yeah. So you were still getting to it. Like there, the work and the talent is it was undeniable. Yeah, like, so I didn't think I was going to register. I thought I was going to start. Like, my first day, I saw the roster. I was like, yo, like, so, like, when when, when y'all start taking shots, that takes away from my shot. They were like, no, nah, freshman, you got to wait. I was like, wait. <laughs> so, so, so I was trying to get to it. Like, bro, bro, like, and I've always done this. Practice has always been very, very serious to me. I don't know what other guys think about <laughs> Practice is always taken very, very seriously. Like, I'm like, I'm here to kill, right? So I started killing practice, and the coach called me, and Monty, like my first coach, Mike Montgomery, he's like, uh -huh. you know, we think we see some minutes for you this year. I'm like, yeah, I, I do too. <laughs> so, 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 so we start moving right. 
and we played Oakland second game. I I played like one minute, bro. I called my dad. I was crying. I'm like, I'm about to transfer. Like, <laughs> so I couldn't do it, right? I couldn't do it. <laughs> so my first real college game where I was like, oh, I'm really, I'm here. We played Syracuse in the Maui Invitational. Mm. Um, I remember like a 2 p.m. game. It was hot, hot in there, right? Great game. I had like I had like 12 points, but I was like, yo, I'm really him. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm him. Like I got it. So I, well, once I once I had that game, it was off. I was like, I'm good. Like I I got this shit figured out. Facts. So after that, like uh, I remember later in the year, you know, I had a bad game at Stanford, and you know my coach like he tried to motivate me. He was like, you know, maybe this level just a little bit too much for you. And then we we play at Oregon. They're like number nine in the country. And he said, you know, it might just be too much for you. You may need to think about. It taking a level down i was like mm. level down so i had 30 i had 32 that game i was like yo i was like bro to this day i don't <laughs> remember that game i just remember him saying that and then like that's it i was like and that is what you call a blackout game blacked bro, I just out blacked and went out. crazy <laughs> i just blacked out i still don't remember my dad was like what happened i was like i don't know man like i just went crazy <laughs> Coach poke the bear. You don't want to poke the bear, man. He just, bro, he knew what he was doing too. He said it and he just saw me like start blinking slow. And I was like, really? All right. <laughs> and that is one thing I will say about you. Like, if like if we're doing shooting competition or playing ones, threes, fives, whatever, if someone like gets a bucket and like subtly flexes or says <laughs> something, like it's over. Like, you're like, okay, like you're going right at them. It might turn into a one on, if it's five on five, it might turn into one on one. Like it's just me and you is all I see now. Like that's I will, all I see. I, you I, do do that. Like you you do do that for sure. For sure, and I blame I, I don't blame Jonah. It's like attributed to Jonah for that. That's why <laughs> I think like we always went at it when we were younger. Everything, bro. Everything we did was together. Everything we did was competitive, bro. We played we played Xbox one time when we were in Nebraska, and I beat him in college two K. Like the college version of two K. I remember I beat him. He was Carolina. I beat him on a buzzer. <laughs> Bro, this man <laughs> took the controller. <laughs> he hit me so hard, I think I blacked out. Like, I think I, like, he, he smacked me with that controller so crazy. Like, I was <laughs> like, yo, I think I'm bleeding. Like, like he went crazy. So to this day, like, that's why I have, like, those blackout ones where I'm like, oh, yo, like, it's on. Like, I got to compete now. Like, I just got to go crazy. So, um, yeah, those, those happen a lot. And... You know they're they're fun. It's fun to compete. Yeah, you love you love competing, and I've witnessed you and Jonah just go at it in in workouts. Like it might have been twos or threes, it turned into ones. Like I I seen it, I seen a headlock happen. I seen I seen it all. Like y'all y'all get to it. Y'all can get each other. Y'all can get under each other's skins fast, and y'all y'all compete. Y'all both are high level competitors. Yes, and like 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 he. So his big thing with me is. He doesn't like, like, you know, like you playing threes is game point. You get a step on somebody, you got to foul him, right? Mm -hmm. Anybody else foul him is fine. I foul him, bro, he's hot. He's like, he's like, why Why would you foul me, Jordan? Like, I'm like, like Jonah, he's got the He's like, no, but tell me why you fouled me. I'm like, oh. Uh, so, yeah, it's just like that That nature in both of us is uh, has helped us a lot, I think, um, just being competitive. And you're super competitive too. Like that's why our workouts are always so good, is because 
it's constantly competitive. It's not guys walking in going through the motions. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get better. Like, I'm trying to glass somebody. Yeah, it's definitely all dogs. Like I love because comp- you like I said, you guys are tough shop makers and creatives. So I love to try and stop you guys and just stop high level players and then it get, gets gets chippy. Like we're all dogs. So we we begin after, man, for sure. Yep. But back back to the cow days. Uh Maui was not the only notable place you played at. Talk about Australia and every Hooper's dream, Madison Square Garden. Oh yeah, bro. But yeah, we had some great experiences in Cal. So like, all right. So we played at the Garden, and I, like, I, I didn't talk about know your was... first experience. Like, yeah, like go, go, really go into details about the Garden because I can't so even. So like, okay, so like, know. I'd only seen the Garden on TV. I'd never been there before that. So like, we had shoot around. We and get, we played Syracuse in the Garden, bro. Like, it was mm. Syracuse. Like they called New York's team. Played them in the Garden. So. Like we get there for shoot around, shoot around like a two, and we in there. And I'm like, I'm looking at like all the like the rim. It just looked nicer than a regular. Like it just looked nice. And you know, like I'm into the details again. I'm like, that rim is beautiful. Like that net is crisp. That I was like, bro, that 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 corner three is just so nice. It's just nice. Like it was just like everything about the garden so details. nice. But it was cold in there. Like I was like, oh, it's cold. Like. Huh. And I didn't know it was, I didn't know it wasn't that big. You know, it, it's big, but it ain't like crazy. So I thought it was crazy. I thought it was like crazy, like triple raptor. It looks like that. Yeah, it looks like that on TV, right? Yeah, it's for sure. Wow. And so like shooting in the garden, like the first couple of times, bro, I wasn't even trying to make a shot. I was like, I just want to put one up on the <laughs> goal. I just threw it, bro. I was just in there. So like that whole day I was thinking about, I was like, Michael Jordan shot this shot here. He dunked on Patrick Ewing <laughs> right there. Derrick Rose dunked on Goran Dragic. Mm. No, yeah, Derrick Rose did that double pump dunk here. Yeah. yeah I, like, I was just walking through the spots, and I was like, he made it from right there. Like, the whole <laughs> – bro, that's all I did to shoot around. Wow, like, that's live. I coach got mad. So, like, <laughs> um, so once we played Syracuse, like, ball go up, right? It's crazy in there. And they throw a lob. Dude, Akeem Christmas, he dunks it. And – Bro, the first time I shot, I touched the ball, I just shot it. I didn't run the play, I just shot it. I just want to get one up. <laughs> got air to get the jitters out. I gotta get it out. I don't, I don't even care if it's an air ball. I aired it. That <laughs> it was six feet short. The rim, sheesh. Right, it was short. Coach was looking at me like <laughs> I might have to get him out. So, you know, um, then like I ended up having like I think I had 20 in the second half, and we won. And just being in the garden for that experience was great. Like, that was a great time. Like, just being there, um, playing, like, just everything about the garden was crazy. Like, crazy. My family was there, so that was great. And then, um, yeah, what else you want to know about the garden? Like, that was, that was a great, great week. You pretty much touched on it. I had no clue that it, that it wasn't as big as it seems. And obviously the details and the things like that. So, you definitely touched on it. I can only imagine my first – if I would ever play there, like the lights probably seem brighter. Like I can just can only imagine, man. Yeah, it was crazy. It was definitely crazy. And it's darker than you think, too. Like, it's like everybody thought, like, usually you're used to some like light around right. the it, There's none. That arena looks kind of dark. It looks like it's like a Broadway show sometimes. It, it it's very much like because we played we played in Staples too. We played my senior year, we played. Um, Arizona Staples Center. 
Dope. Staples was kind of different because their lighting is a little weird. So, like, you can see behind the basket. You just see shapes. None behind the basket the garden. You can't see. Is it just you in the basket? Dang, that's weird. Yeah. Strange, for real. So, you played three years at Cal and you transferred. But before yeah. we transferred, you got to, you got to play and see a young Jalen Brown. Yeah. Talk about um, kind of what he was like there and did you – foresee this success that he's having now in his future at the time i just remember like our trip to australia like i was really surprised with how well he shot the ball um how fluid his form was and how fluid he was athletically like he was one of those guys where the college game didn't really it didn't benefit him and he still did really well he still dominated it didn't benefit him because the lane was so clogged the spacing wasn't to his benefit but I mean, you're talking about a guy like six, seven, super athletic, can shoot, handle, guard. So, like, all the tools were there. I, I didn't see, like, I would say I, I, would, I thought he was going to be this. I think he's going to be more than what you're seeing now. I, me, personally, I think he needs to be the one option on a team. Wow. Like, he's got to be the one option because it's like it, he's not heavy usage. It's not a whole lot of ISO. It's not a whole lot of, I need this ram for me. A lot of it is, okay, McCone's pick and roll. I'm going to dial it up, which is what he did at Cal, mm -hmm. but he's gotten better at. And then, like, he has that downhill shift, at, downhill shift and athleticism that a lot of guys have, but there's no threat of pull-up. You know, like with the NBA, is the way the NBA is now, it's like if it ain't three, you know he's going to the basket, yeah. but he can pull up in the mid-range. So I think he's deadly because he never needed – like a whole bunch of touches to be effective. He can go get it off the glass, transition. You know, there's multiple aspects to his game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's why it's still good now because, like I said, there's multiple aspects of his game. And most importantly, that boy defends. He guards. He guards. Like, if you if you do that, you got a shot because the athletic tools that he has on a, on a different level from – 99.99% of people, like, you know, you may get a step to the basket on him. He'll go get it at the top of the, at the top of the backboard, <laughs> you know, and Zach Collins was that way too. Not so much in the athleticism, but the timing, like when I was at Gonzaga, mm -hmm. he had that timing too, where like, it didn't matter where you released the ball. He could go get. It. Yeah. You played with quite a few um, guys that touched the league. We'll go into it more, but like you said, um, Jalen Brown, uh, Zach, Nigel Williams, Goss, and Rui. I don't know how to pronounce his name exactly, but um, you also play with a few of my teammates that I play with, some San Diego guys, Cam Rooks. We talked about, and Cam then Rook. yeah, yeah, my boy Cam Rooks. He's he's gotten slimmer. He's playing good nowadays, man. Cam's improved yep. a lot. That's my boy. Those legend, Mission Hills legend. Yeah, <laughs> what you know about Mission Hills, man? Yeah, man, I remember that. And then you also played with Garrett Galvin. He was a rush or, or a walk-on or something like that, but he was. Oh, yeah, Garrett Galvin. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Tory Pines guy. <laughs> exactly. And you know a guy named Jack Beach? He played at Tory Pines? Yeah, I'm not as uh, – I actually played with Galvin and Jack's a little younger, but I do know. I do okay. know them, yeah. He was at Gonzaga too, another San Diego guy. Mm-hmm. And um, then another San Diego guy, uh, I hate Tory Pines, and he's one of the reasons why, uh, Nick Kerr. Nick Kerr, jumper. John for lefty. Just lefty, just a hey, catching fire is money. 
Yeah, he's a solid dude too. Yeah, good guy. All right, so that's our time at Gonzaga. It was time to it was time to move on. Uh, was it a coach change? Why why did we transfer again? I just wanted to change the scenery. It was like a Cal was like a really demanding school academically, and they didn't do you any favors as an athlete. So it was like, you know, let me let me experience college basketball for what it really is for a year. Um, someone I was really close to offered the touched on the idea of transferring to Gonzaga, like getting my degree early, just making sure I get it early from Cal, need that piece of paper, and then transferring. So I just pounded away at the work in the summer and then was able to transfer and do my master's at Gonzaga. So it was like, you know, I feel like it was a great choice because I got to experience college basketball at a whole new level um, than I did before. And uh, before we talk about this real college level that you experienced your senior year what did you study in school i was a poli sci major wow yeah i'm not even gonna flex like i know what that is but that sounds tough <laughs> it was like it was a lot of work man because like you like you have a game on wednesday you're talking about this is due on wednesday and you're like okay with the game at seven he's gonna be like look at he look at you and start blinking like <laughs> He's like, so what do you would like? I'm not what, going to the game. Why are you telling you, me that? <laughs> what would you what would you what would you like me to do? And I was like, oh, okay, you know, but it was a good experience. I had a lot of fun at Cal and I wouldn't change it for anything. So at Gonzaga, you started all 39 games, which is way more than most people get to play. You were a Jerry West Award finalist. And like you said, you got to experience real college basketball. You got to go dancing. So talk about um, March Madness and just that national championship game, just the real level of basketball at Gonzaga. So, like, it's different level because the preparation and attention to detail that Coach Few and the, and the staff um, incorporate into the system is really high level. And also, you know, it's a real family atmosphere. They handpick each guy on the team. All the guys were really cool, um, really good guys. And the tournament, so the tournament was crazy because I only played one tournament game up to that point. And each, like, all right, I thought each game was greater than the last one. So the first game, I was like, man, this is the, this is the greatest game ever, right? Like, I was <laughs> like, this is the best game I'll ever play in. We won that one. I was like, this is the best game. I like, we kept doing that. So then once you got to the final four and you're playing in front of 80,000 people, you're like, oh, this is like, you know, at that point it was like, yeah, this is really different. So um, the national championship game, that still feels like a haze. I'm usually pretty good at remembering games. I can't remember that game that well because it just felt like uh, – it was like the end. It just you knew it was the end. I was a senior. It was the last game, no matter what. So it was like, all right, like let's just go out there and play. And they made some tough shots down the end, and we lost. But you know, um, who y'all face off? Who y'all face off against? We played Carolina. We lost to Carolina, mm. and they had lost on a on a buzzer beater in the championship the year before that. To Villanova, right? Villanova, yeah. So like. Well, it was like 78, it was 74, 72, I think. Us, a couple minutes left, minute and a half left. They made some tough shots. They were like tough, like 
Isaiah Hicks hit like a he pawned the ball, hit like a one-handed double clutch floater to put him up one. And then Meeks got like a layup to put him up three. And after that, we had turned it over and then it's pretty much over after that. Man, that's gotta be a crazy experience. So like that's every as a hooper, there's a few things you dream about. Obviously, NBA is one because that's the highest level. And then when you start thinking college, you obviously everyone wants to go D1. And then when you go D1, you want to go dancing. You want to play in the natty. So, like, for sure, you got to do those things. So that's just surreal in itself. For sure. All those were like, I think, you know, everybody has like their college experience. I got extremely, I was extremely blessed with what I was ex- able to experience at the college level like going to australia playing against guys down there playing my invitational playing the natty playing the madison square guard um, playing all types of games all types of teams um very fortunate on that front up until this point if you remember who was the best um player you played in college doug mcdermott that's Mm, easy dougie creighton he had 30 he had 30 he had 30 on one leg (laughs) <laughs> what you mean one leg he took all one leg shots <laughs> what they ran the same play they ran this little loop play he caught it he square up he jab he fade his money that net <laughs> that net didn't move bro i was like this man is going crazy i, I was a freshman so coach was like we gotta force him i said coach you're not for this man no way. <laughs> <laughs> he he's i was like coach what you want us to do because he's like because he, he was big like he was like He's trimmed down a little bit since he's been in the league, mm-hmm. but he was kind of like stocky. And they had a couple other players who could really shoot it. Um, so they were a problem, bro. Like, yeah. Doug McDermott gave, gave us light work. Tough. That's tough bucks right there. Like, what they call him? Dougie Buckets, right? McBuckets Dougie or something? Buckets. Yeah. You don't get that name for no reason. Exactly. Like, you know? it's, it's in the name. Proof is in the pudding, like they said. That's, that's not a name you get for no reason. He was out there giving us serious like workout buckets like okay go back to that spot shoot again <laughs> go back to that spot shoot again like, he was getting reps up against y'all he was getting straight reps like talking the reps out like okay nipples fade, nipples fade. <laughs> oh, like, bro, you ain't gonna talk the moves out to me and then like who else we play in college he was like that wow yeah there was a guy there was a guy named deontay burton who went to nevada i know him he, his bounce is crazy yo he had a dunk, and this was like this was like late 2013. So you know, YouTube wasn't popping yet. Mm-hmm. He had a dunk. I was on the bench. I like, bro. If you see on D, my eyes just got wide. I was like, oh, he he dunked on all of us. Yeah. Hey, he's he's from SoCal. Did you know him before, or did you know of him before he was I, at Nevada? I knew who he was because because Ball's life was huge. Yeah, exactly. That's bro. all. That's all he did was watch Ball's life. Facts. And we was just watching ball. Then I said, "Who is this dude jumping off a trampoline mid game?" <laughs> no, he was different back in the day. I remember him for sure. He was crazy. He was crazy. So yeah, those two, those two guys, bro. That's what's up. So college is done. We had a great experience, like you said. It, it, you, you did what you had to do. So now it's time to, it's time to explore the league. It's time to see what's next for us. So, uh. Who was your first agent and what was that the agent the agent process like? So my first agent was with Wasserman. It was a great, it was a good experience because I got to work out against like some of the best guys 
you know, me and George Niang worked out against each other. And George's on the Sixers now. Mm-hmm. And we worked out like Iowa every State, right? Iowa State legend every yeah. day, worked out every single day. And that's where my game really just took off. Like, first couple of weeks, we played ones, we played situational one on one. He killed me every day, every day. But then here's the kicker, though. A little later in the year, in the summer, like, I say, like, month, two months later, uh, this is the year Westbrook won MVP. He started coming in working out. Mm. Oladipo started coming in working out. So it was like, as a young guy, 24, 23, you're getting to go against all these high-level guys. There's no fear. I don't care who I'm playing now. Like, I'm like, I'm playing as MVP. Like, I play as the MVP. <laughs> That's the top of the top. That's top of the. What do I need to worry about? You know. <laughs> so that that really helped a lot. And the guy who trained us was Noah LaRoche, and he was. I mean, he was big time with like the conditioning, the the sled push, the sled pull, just being in top shape and working out and being at the best of your game the whole summer. Um. So like, yeah, that was a that was a big time experience. Yeah, the good agents, um, well, high-level agents for high-level players like yourself, they get to get, you know, set up with workouts, um, set up by them, and just getting them um, put in the right position all summer just to get better for the next job that they get. So that was a great start for you to see how things were going to be. So um, sounds like a good agency, like we said. Uh, Did he have any – summer workouts for you before the 2017 NBA draft or were things yeah, I worked after out, the draft? Worked, so I worked out for the Raptors, worked out for the Knicks. I worked out for the Nets. I worked out for the Pelicans. I worked out for the Lakers. I think there's a couple more teams, like two more teams. I think I had eight or nine workouts in total. They were all pretty much the same. And what um, what what are those what do those look like? Something like break like, it up. You know, you're gonna run, finish, shoot, play a little bit of three on three, shoot at the end. I just want to see if you're like in some semblance of shape mm-hmm. and how you can play like in situations and can you guard one on one? You know? Can you guard on that island? Yeah, if you're on that island, can, <laughs> can you make it difficult for can a guy? you swim? <laughs> yeah, and just not get just destroyed in every single pick and roll scenario. So like, or just isolation, like, can you guard that? Mm -hmm. So once you're able to, and you know, I wasn't, if I'm honest, I wasn't really ready for that. I did pretty well in the workouts, but I wasn't my, like, I wasn't physically there. I wasn't mentally there at the time. Um, That was a great experience also, all about building the experiences. And it's no one to blame, Um, but would you kind of say your agent kind of didn't have you ready for that? Like he kind of didn't, tell you what to experience kind of thing or it's more self-accountability no they kind of did their job it was more on my my part like okay like the recipe that's worked in the past it can work for you throughout your whole career mm-hmm. you go out there you compete you play hard just fall where they may right i tried to make it something it wasn't i kind of put the nba on a pedestal made it this whole thing like if i make it here then i'll be this and i'll be that but it just it just wasn't – there was no need for that. It's basketball, end of the day. Mm-hmm. So you have to just play basketball. And you mentioned it way earlier in the podcast that um, we're talking about, like, work ethic in high school. Like, 
oh, I did that, but that just worked for me. So like whatever you like I said, whatever you've been doing, you kind of should have kept doing that because you had high success in college and it worked out. So you kind of could have should have kept doing it. So you figured it out. But yeah, the I think at, I think at some point we all figure out that we kind of know how to work. We kind of know what to do already. Amber, you play enough games. You know how to play basketball, all right? We can we can do it. We can do a thousand of drills. Mm-hmm. We already know what the game is. You gotta just play. You know, yeah. it's just sharpening. It's just sharpening the blade now. Like you have to make the blade when you're younger, mm-hmm. but now you just gotta sharpen it. You gotta sharpen the iron every time you get in the gym. Refine, 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 and then when you go against other good players, then iron sharpens iron. So you just keep going. But you know how to play games. Like I'm gonna work on this double step back move. You gonna do that once a game? Like it's good <laughs> to have, but you're not doing that most of the game. You know, yeah. so like. Um, but yeah, like the recipe, I think tearing my Achilles really helped my mind get back set to the recipe that worked in the past and how that's going to work in the future. Not so much outcome based, but enjoying what I enjoy about the game. Mm-hmm. Got that gratitude. Yeah, of course. So 2017 NBA draft went undrafted. Mm-hmm. Um, did you kind of figure that or were you have like a kind of watch party or what was draft night like for you that was actually my birthday so i was like walking around like i was like i didn't even watch i didn't even watch i just didn't like i didn't really to be honest like everybody wanted to be drafted i kind of knew going in that it was like all right because my agent told me something interesting he said if you're not first round you'd rather go undrafted He's like, you get to pick where your situation is, where they might need you. Um, as a drafted guy, if you like, you draft like forty fourth, they may not need you like that. So, I went undrafted, and then I got signed by the Pelicans right after that, the summer league, a couple hours after. And after that, it was good. It was like, all right, like, just keep pushing, you know. So you played summer league, yeah. Um, think you got signed and waived a couple times before i'm sorry you signed with the hawks and then you were um waived and released and signed by the airy bayhawks what kind of explain or go into to talk about what happened with that i mean it was a situation where i again like wasn't i just didn't understand the situation at the time like okay what does this team need and if you can feel that need, I was trying to fit my game, but I'm going to do my game the best of my ability. But if it's like, you do what you do and do what they need, you can stick, you know? Uh, that's why I tell Joan all the time. Do what you do, fulfill a need that they need. You like It may not be the role that you think it is, mm-hmm. but if you do it well, you're going to be all right, you know? So those experiences help me uh, more but like I said, the injury helped me the most. Like all this stuff leading up to the injury, I was like, I'm gonna do it my way. But um, it's a combination of doing it your way and understanding the situation you're in. Exactly, you gotta know. Let's just knowing your big picture and just knowing the grand scheme of things in a sense. Mm-hmm. But um, nonetheless, you still touch the league. So like. You signed, you got the picture, like you, you're in the Hawks jersey, you was up there. So what was that? 
what are just some notable things you took away from that or what was that like being you know being in the league for a little bit it was a different world but it was also the same like it's like I expected it like I expected to feel different like I, I thought I was going to be like mm-hmm. feeling different like, I, like I'm, I've made it now I'm, I'm where I want to be but I felt the same so it was like oh okay well then did I make it to be something that is not and that's when I was like so was it really about then and I was like oh it's about the work that's what I enjoy the most but being in the league was nice it was like I remember we played Miami we played Detroit we played Cleveland and I saw Brown work out like in person uh-huh. we, we played Cleveland and like I was like oh like this dude's like 33 and he's like still working like this so like he must enjoy the work too. You know, that's uh, that's that was my first thought. Like, he really didn't, it's preseason, he doesn't have to work out that hard. He can really just chill. Not even show up to the game, really. <laughs> For real. He was in the gym, going, he was in the arena going hard, like full game sweat. And I was like, oh, uh, he ain't, he's in it for the work also. That's what the reward is for him. Everything else is kind of secondary. Yeah, that's why he's goadie, like. The great ones love the game. That's why, bro, Mike came back when his knees was about to fall off. (laughs) He did not have to come back and play at 40, but he couldn't help it. He was like, I just got to, I got to go play. He he just loved it that much. And there was a misconception, too. Like, he was still getting to it with the Wizards. Like, people painted this picture because it wasn't the same Mike, but I think he averaged like 26 or 24 or something like. Listen, 40-year-old Mike, was killing dudes <laughs> who was 20 like like all mid post work all mid post excuse me i have an appointment like i'm gonna go down there i'm gonna do what i do and make the shot that's it repeats i remember he hit that fadeaway uh game winner in the all-star game midi right like, short corner like he's 40 doing that he don't he doesn't care like he's just like yeah i do what i do you know so yeah I think I think those lessons really helped. All right, so we're still in the league. Let's let's talk about the G League. What was what was it like playing for the Bayhawks? We had some success there. We had some big games. Talk about that experience. So Erie was a good experience for me. And where is this located? I actually also Erie, Erie, Pennsylvania, bro. It's on the border of New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania. It's cold. Ain't nothing out there. Nothing. All right. I was, just, I was about to say this sounds nasty. Look, those border like, towns. I'm like, bro, nah. it was bad. It was bad. But my teammates were so cool that it, it made it a really good experience. So, um, it, it was fun to hang with a great group of teammates again, and also like, like, get my first taste of the pro game. Like, the pro game is not college. That's not. It's not like college at all. Like. You know, this is a business. So, like, you might play 10 games and you're not going to play for six more. Mm-hmm. It's the way it go, you know. So, understanding that, being able to manage that was uh, big. That's half the battle is playing this battle and off the court, mental, and just all the other intangibles. So, having a good right. group of guys and supporting cast and stuff like that is major 
No, for sure. For sure. So you obviously played well enough to get you another um, summer league look. You signed with the Clippers for the NBA Summer League in 2018. After summer league was over, you decided, okay, let's, like, I need more, like, either wanted a bigger role or whatever the reason was being, but you decided to take your talents across the water. 2018, we started in Denmark. What was it like our first overseas uh, season? And what came to the decision that you made to where you decided I'm going to go overseas? It was just like, what's it about? I want to play. I want to play basketball and I want to go where I can really improve my game because they need me to win. I can work on my ball handling. I can work on my guard skills, like work on doing everything. Like I can already shoot. So like, let me just build from that. Let me work on my off the ball, off the dribble shooting. Let me work on my passing, work on my playmaking. And going to Denmark was a great experience. I got really lucky with my teammates. Um, so it was like, it was just worth it. Like, it was worth it because it was just a year of growth and living across the water. Like, I know people hear like horror stories of overseas, but um, if you're adaptable, I don't see why guys don't like doing it. Uh, I loved it. I loved Denmark, every part of it. It was a great year. Loved Italy, too. Both were elite spots. Yeah, you followed Italy right after that, and Russia was uh, the Russia last was country. Yeah, Russia was different. But Russia taught me a lot, too, because it was like that was such a high level of competition, the Russian league, and um, just like like I tore my Achilles right as I found my groove. Like the game before that, I had 20. And I was like, I was just starting to figure out the coach. The system. I was just starting to get it. Like I was like, okay, he gonna yell. He's crazy. But I just gotta play anyway. And then I tore my Achilles. But you know, I learned a lot of lessons from there that I think are really gonna help me when I come back. Um, because that VTB league was no joke. I was just about to come on a league that that's a big league, and I was excited to watch you get busy in there. Yeah, that league is not a game. Like dudes are big over there. Like dudes are like. Four four men in Italy aren't that big. Four men in Russia are big. Like, they're like oh, yo, this dude is like 6'9", 250. You know? Natural strength. Not, like, they don't even be cut up, too, but they be, like, stronger than... big. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, what was the um, clear difference between college, uh, NBA, and overseas, either style of play or just anything that's a notable basketball difference? Speed. Speed of the game. Yeah. Uh, speed of the game. And the the, the, uh, the only difference in the levels you go up is the athleticism and the the decision time window. You just got to be lightning quick because you ain't pound, you're not pounding the ball like that. You don't get that. Mm-hmm. You don't get the 35 dribbles to, you know, you better make it, you better shoot it, cut, drive it, get off it, you know. So the, that was a huge adjustment for me between those three yeah i would say game speed is like a universal answer and any anytime you go up a level like game speed and um decision making time and those kind of things that you named are are quick and that's what separates good players and that's what makes people be able to keep playing is the decision that you make in such a short time and and those kind of things 
Yeah, and I had a trainer tell me, like, he was like, he told me, like, you don't necessarily have to move faster. Like, teach your brain to move faster. Mm-hmm. Like, teach your brain to process the game quicker. Like, you don't have to run any faster. It's sometimes better to go slower. But just teach your game, teach your mind to process the game a little slower, and you'll be fine. It's sometimes better to go slower. That's it right there. For sure. You don't have to be a speed demon all the time. You know me, I'm fast, probably trying to go. So, like, that's that's that resonates with me. Like, everything yeah. doesn't have to be fast, bro. No. A guy who changes speed is so much harder to guard than a guy who just speed, just speed all the time. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, he slows down, then I got to slow down. Then he speeds back up. I'm behind, you know? Yeah, because you don't know when he going slow fast. Only only the, the, the guy knows, the, the ball handler. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So before we wrap up this podcast, which was a, it exceeded any expectations I could have had for the first episode. So this was lit. Thank you again. Of course, bro. Thank you for having me. All right. So we're still overseas. Let's talk about a a highlight and a low light experience you had over there. It can be on the court, off the court, just anything that is memorable of your time so far. Yeah. So highlight overseas would definitely be like the crowds in Italy were great. Um, like the games were all super competitive, which I loved. And just traveling around Italy with my teammates was really fun too. Like our coach was real lenient with practice. So we would just chill. Like we were just chilling. Like we went to Florence, went to Barcelona, um, got to experience all parts of the, of the country because we had so much time off because we were winning. And um, that was definitely a highlight for me. A low light would definitely be like tearing my Achilles in Russia. Um, Cause it was just like, like I didn't even understand the language, so like they were like they were talking to me about it, and I just didn't understand what they were saying. Yeah, that's gotta but, be frustrating. Yeah, and I was like, "Yo!" Like, and I started googling on my phone, like, "What are the symptoms of a torn, a ruptured Achilles tendon?" I had I had all of them, bro. I was like, "No, I don't think I have it." I was like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> just checking them off the list, like, yeah. They all like yeah, but like. It helped me understand more about my body and listening to my body and making sure that everything is solid before I even step on the floor. Like, that's the big thing now. Um, Just make sure everything's solid. So that's kind of one of the things I wanted to touch on. Um, So when the injury, I just want to talk about, like, when the injury initially happened, like, what was that feeling? What were the feelings that initially came to you and just the – the rehab process because I know it's grueling, it's repetitive, and it can get mentally challenging. So just talk about those two things. So when it first happened, it was like I kind of knew what happened because it's not a feeling you're accustomed to ever having. Mm-hmm. It felt like someone kicked my calf, and I just fell. Like I just fell down, and I knew something was wrong. I was like, I can't get up. So my teammates like helped me in the locker room, and. Um, I just knew something was was bad. Like I couldn't. It felt like you were stepping on a slam board. But KD had ruptured his Achilles the year before, and I saw him come back. And I got lucky with my physical therapist, David Lee. He's he's so good. He told me that the the Achilles recovery is very straightforward. It's not it's not a whole lot of technical work. You wait for the tendon to heal, then you strengthen it. And that's all we did. Like the 
the entire process helped me realize that like there were multiple factors that played into me tearing it. So that helped like uh, figure out what I can do better to prevent injury in the future. Like ankles are tight, you know, nutrition. I wasn't eating enough. I wasn't getting enough sleep. Hip internal rotation wasn't great, you know? So you get all that down then you start looking, okay, I can take care of my body and take care of what I can take care of. And you look at it as like a blessing in disguise. That's really what I've taken it as an opportunity to get better over the past year. And how have you been spending this time before you return to the court? You watching more film than usual, dribbling when you can't run or like what kind of things do you find yourself doing more? It could even be things like less basketball and finding another thing. So what are some things That's you realize that you, yeah? Like, yeah, finding a different avenue for my mind, take it off of basketball. Um, I love basketball, so I watch it all the time anyway. But just having a few other interests that can, like, occupy my mind instead of constantly, you know, replaying the game, watching all the film I can, you know, just uh, relaxing a little bit more. Gotcha. Yeah, that's why you said it's a blessing in disguise. It kind of just made you sit back and just slow life down. Yeah, and not, you know, there is life outside of basketball, which mm-hmm. which is why I'm so much more grateful I can play now. You know, I think I was taking that for granted for a little bit, so I had to get humble. Yeah, found a newfound gratitude. Even Even COVID kind of made people have a new gratitude on life and just sports because everyone got sports took away for about a year. So I can only imagine what a, what an injury would, would do to someone. So I salute you for staying down on the grind. I've seen some of the mornings when you came into rehab and I know that was only a small percentage of what you were doing. So, so I salute you and can't wait for you to get back on the court next season, bro. Oh, I appreciate it, bro. Thank you for having me on here. Um, these are some great questions and this it's a really nice interview format. Appreciate it, bro. Like I think you touched on a lot of good things that young hoopers and even current high school college pro hoopers can relate to. They can take things away from it and they can uh most importantly get motivated and find out things that might help or not help them uh on their journey and reaching the level of success that they want to reach. Mm-hmm. So lastly, before we leave, um, is there any other thing you want to touch on, like life updates, like anything, any other endeavors you're working on outside of basketball? What's next? Any potential job openings for basketball? Just what's what's next for Jordan Matthews? Oh, after I'm done playing? No, um, just next right now. Like it's summer. What's 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 in the near future? Yeah, going back to Europe and playing at least a couple more years. Okay. And then after that, we'll see what happens. I, I think I want to coach, but I'm not sure yet. Some other stuff in the works, but it's still premature. Like, as long as I take care of what I take care of now, then we'll see what happens. I mean, they say your prime, your prime is like 28 to 32, so I'm right in that range. So I might as well play it out. It's about to get ugly then. Prime time just coming. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So this is, I think this is the last question, then we are out of here. Earlier, you talked about the best play you played in college. Mm-hmm. Now we got to know just overall, because you played, you touched the league for a little bit, the G League overseas. So the best player you played with and against. 
the best player I played with, like my whole career. Yeah. Probably JB or Tyrone Wallace, one of those two. Played with. Who, who's played. the first? Who's the first one? Um, Jalen Brown or Tyrone. Oh, okay. Played against. You said Tyrone Wallace is not the lefty. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was OD. Yeah, I remember him. He's from the Bay, I think. Yeah, he's from Bakersfield. He's he's a Hooper. Um, played against. Man, I'm trying to think. You know, Jordan Adams, when he was at UCLA, he gave us the, the quietest 30 I've ever seen. Jordan Adams, when he was at UCLA, bucket man. I remember him. He played for um, Atlanta Celtics. Yes, bucket. Bucket. Okay, I'm here to- I'll, I'll, go ahead. He's like, I'm here to score. Like, that was his thing. <laughs> so I'm going to challenge you a little bit more because that was another college guy. Who in the pro ranks? A pro guy I played against. The, the um, oh, what's his name? I'm trying to think. Guy who's really like that. Bro, I don't know. I don't. There are very few people I play against. I'm just like, oh, he's really crazy. Like a lot of good players. There hasn't been one I played on. He's going crazy right now. Um. It could be ones too, like if you play ones with Westbrook or any high, different high level guy. Oh, my bad, Westbrook. What am I talking about? Okay, okay. Westbrook, easy. I thought you were talking about in game. Just period, Westbrook. Yeah. Uh, easy. That, that's different bump right there. His dead man downhill speed is like, you blink, he's gone. Nah, he's going, he's getting a buck on me every time. Like, <laughs> he's getting a buck. <laughs> I'm not going to flex. He's getting a buck. Like, it, it, you can try, but you know, he's going he gonna to do what he's going to do. Yeah, Russ, for sure. That's tough, man. And that's a wrap. That's all I got for you. Like I said, you covered a lot. It was great um, learning about you and having this combo with you and just feeling your energy on here and just hearing the joy that these stories brought you and just taking it back to the block. So like I said, thank you again and good luck to you and everything that you have coming forward, my bro. Of course. Appreciate it. Same to you. Thanks for having me on. Of course, bro. We'll be in touch. I'll be hollering at you soon. Of course. All right, y'all. And that's the first episode, taking it back to the block. Make sure you guys subscribe, share, stream it on all those platforms. We out.